Well, this morning we are finishing our series in 1 John. We started this back in September. After 11 messages, here we are in message number 12, our final message. And, and you probably are thinking, if you were with us last week, I thought we went through the whole book. Well, I thought it would be important to take time to review what we've been through. So this message will be a, a, an overview of the whole book. And I actually will do something we don't often do, though I think it's a wonderful practice, is we will take time uh, to go through the whole book. I will read chapters 1 through 5 as part of this message. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this series. Uh, I have pictured it, and I think I mentioned this at the beginning, uh, as kind of like having coffee and a conversation with a wise old saint. The Apostle John who wrote this probably was well into his 80s when he wrote it. He had been a young man um, when he was with Jesus, and he had now, after a long life, followed Jesus through all these years. And here he is in this letter, a wise old man. And, and to spend an hour with him over coffee, uh, at least in our cultural context, would be life-changing. Uh, it's important to know that the original readers didn't come to spend time with John, uh, so to speak. Um, just because they were curious to meet John, they would have come to John because they were confused and shaken by some new teachers who were claiming to have special insight into who Jesus really is and how to reach that next level of spiritual growth. They would have come with their worries to sit and listen to this gentle and powerful witness to the resurrected Christ with their worries, with their concerns, to receive God's help through him. And what I really want to do today is recreate that experience for you. I want to take time to review some of the key points of the conversation, key aspects of this letter. The, I want to leave you at the end of our time with the final verse of this letter and talk about that briefly. And I want to take time to read through the letter. My prayer is that you would experience as if you were there having coffee with the Apostle John. But, but even more importantly, I want you to experience the letter as God himself making him known, himself known, his truth and his presence to you through his word as penned by the Apostle John. So let's pray for our time. Let's ask God to do just that. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful book. And we thank you for the wonderful truths and, and guidance and assurance and correction and comfort that's here. Lord, we may not be experiencing exactly what the, the original readers and listeners would have experienced, but Lord, we're like them. We are often confused. We are often worried. We are often distracted by different ideas and different teachings, and we're taken away from the truth, the central truth of who Christ is. And so we ask you now to minister to us by your Spirit through your Word that we might receive from you. Come and quiet our minds right now. Give us the ability to attend to your word, to hear you, and to soak in what you're saying to us. And as a result, to be refreshed and renewed and re-equipped. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you were to read this book and look at the different themes, I think there'd be one theme that would emerge. That's the title of this message. How do you know that you know? I have this word cloud to show you. Uh, this is a word cloud from the ESV version of 1 John. And so a word cloud, it, you know, makes the size of the word proportional to how many times it's mentioned. 
And if you look there, you'll see prominently, of course, words like God and love and son. Those are important themes in, the, in this book. And we should expect those things, of course, in God's Word and in the New Testament. The, the particular things here, though, that are, that are actually driving the dimension of God and love and all these things um, are represented here by the word who, whoever and know. And so this letter really is about whoever would know something. Whoever would know the truth um, would would know certain things and live certain ways. And so this book is really about knowing that you know. How do you know if someone really knows the Lord? How do I know if I really know the Lord? How do I protect myself from worries about not knowing the Lord that are unfounded? How do I protect myself from presumption that I know the Lord when I might not? That's really what this book is about. It's given in answer to the question of, of what are these guys teaching that have come along to say that there's a different way to understand Jesus. But ultimately, it, it's an answer for how do I know that I know. And, and so this, this letter answers that question. That's an important question. It's actually probably the most important question you can ask. Do I know God? And how do I know if I know God? All the other questions we might have in life might be really important, and there are lots of important questions to ask and to seek answers for. But, but this question is the most important. Do I know God? Do I know God? And if I can answer that question, I think all the other questions will eventually get answered because you'll know God. And God is the one who will answer all of our questions ultimately. If I can't know that answer, then I'm really without without any ground to build my life on. Without an eternal, infinite good and glorious being in our lives, we, we aren't even dust in the wind. We aren't just people trying to get along. We are pure randomness somehow temporarily assembled into something that merely appear, appears to be non-random for the time being. That's where we go if we can't answer this question, do I know God? It's the most important question to, to ask and to have answered. And so John wants us to know God and wants us in knowing to God to know that we know God. That's what this letter is about. So, by way of review, there are seven assurances in this letter that we know God. If you could show that. So, oh, there, you got it already. Seven assurances in this letter. Based on these seven different items, I start them with a C just for, to help in memory. And so let's briefly just go through and to see how we see this so that as I read later on, you can note these things and see how this letter talks about it. First, Christ. This letter helps us know that we know God because we know Christ rightly. So knowing Christ accurately is a sign that you truly know Him. And so you see multiple verses. First John 2, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He, he who denies the Father and the Son no one who denies the Father, no one who denies the Son, sorry, has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. First John 4, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. First John 5, and this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Knowing Christ accurately is a sign that we know God truly. 
The second assurance is His commandments. Those who know God will keep His commandments. We deceive ourselves if we say we know God, but we disregard His good, true, and glorious law. 1 John 2, by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. 1 John 3.24, whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He's given us. Keeping His commandments is a sign that we truly know God. Compassion for others. Relating to keeping His commandments, of course, because His commandments are summed up by love for God and love for others. So those who know God will love others, especially their own brothers and sisters in Christ. So 1 John 2, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. 1 John 3, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and, no one, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is such an important thing to understand. No genuine Christian will remain in hate, but will repent and truly love others. Whether those others are on the other side of the political aisle, or the other side of any opinion, even key and essential truths, a genuine believer will love others. That's a sign that you know God, because God is love. Also, non-conformity to the world or conformity to the world. So, so those who know the Lord do not conform to the world. And this is interesting because we're called to love others deeply. We're called to love those who don't know the Lord. We're called to love others who are aggressively pursuing the ways of the world and even pursuing systems that are anti-Christ systems. That's really what the world is about and its definition in, in John. But genuine believers can do that and yet not get entrapped and come under the power of the world because there's something stronger in them. So 1 John 2, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And 1 John 5, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Additionally, a genuine believer will resist all sin and refuse to remain in a lifestyle of sin but instead will confess his or her sin regularly and come back into the light for forgiveness and life. So 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 3, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. 1 John 5, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who has been born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Related to this, of course, those who know the Lord walk in communion with the life and teachings of the church. Church with a capital C, the broader C, church, and local church as well. They walk in genuine fellowship with the genuine church, the biblically faithful and historically orthodox church. So John says, if we walk in the light, in 1 John 1, 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. So we walk together in fellowship, in relationship, in purposeful relationship. 1 John 2, speaking of those false teachers, he said, says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they, are, they all are not of us. And 1 John 4, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. 
whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And we talked about the us here, of course, is the church, the, the faithful biblical Orthodox church throughout history, throughout the globe, including local churches. Finally, an assurance that you really know the Lord is the confirmation of the Holy Spirit who testifies to us of the truth of Christ. 1 John 2.20 You have been anointed by the Holy One and you, you all have knowledge. 1 John 4.13 By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us of His Spirit. So these seven qualities identify genuine believers. These are qualities and standards by which you identify a genuine believer. Now, no believer is perfect in these things. Matter of fact, these things themselves teach us that, that we sin and that we have to confess and return back. So it's not perfection, but these things will predominate a genuine believer's life. They'll be predominant in their life. We, they will be marked by it. So that's how we know we know we're marked by these things. Closely related to these assurances are four results that John talks about here. And there's overlap, of course, but they're results that are, that are distinct and profound enough to mention briefly here today. First, faithfulness. Knowing God truly will build faithfulness. Faithfulness to His truth in our lives and faithfulness to the character of God. It, it results in something. So 1 John 2, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. 1 John 3, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. So knowing God produces faithfulness to the truth, faithfulness to God in character. It produces fellowship. This is about genuine fellowship, genuine relationship. It's God making Himself known to us and us knowing God and, and together walking in relationship. And so John says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And later it says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We experience the Father's love as well in knowing Him. The Christian life is fueled by the Father's love and we overflow in love to one another. So 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. 1 John 4, 7-8 Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then finally, Knowing God produces fervent prayer. We see that in a couple places here. There's a confidence to come before God and ask of Him. We talked about this last week. 1 John 3, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. We belong to Him. And He answers us. 
1 John 5, this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. So it produces fervent prayer. So this is some background as we get into the text. And what I want to do now is read you the text. And what I'd encourage you to do is just listen and think of yourself sitting there listening to John. And through that, hearing the voice of God from His Word. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the Word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His Word in Him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome 
the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they, are, that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us. Eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him at shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? We should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins. And in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as He is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Beloved, did not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are, they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us of His spirits. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment 
Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he, he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and blood Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. God's Word from 1 John chapters 1-5. through 5. May God bless the hearing of His Word. And let me leave you with that final verse. All that John's saying here in this letter is aimed 
really at this final verse, the fruit of all that He said should produce in us this desire to stay away from false gods. To stay away from false things. To stay away from false teaching. To stay away from false churches. And instead, find our life in God Himself. Find our life in that which is true, good, and most glorious. God Himself in Jesus. We have that life through Christ. May the sum of the results of this series work in your life. This desire to be kept by God and to keep yourself from idols, from false things, for God, for that life that is truly life. Let's pray.